0: We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Tuesday, March 28th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host faith comes from hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Um, definitely worth your while. A lot of great listening over there. A lot of great brothers and sisters in Christ doing wonderful content, a broad spectrum of topics, but like I said, worth your while, you will run out of time to listen to all the things you want to listen to over there. Um, I also wanted to, send a shout out for my youngest son. He is 29 today. Um, so, happy birthday, Christian. I love you. And I hope you have a great day. Um, all right. We're going to be continuing on in our Bible reading this morning. Oh, I did want to continue. I'm sorry. I forgot this. Um, I do want to continue to point you at the final link in our show notes. It is for the Vale Valley Baptist Church Give Sin Go campaign. Uh, We are uh, striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can commence establishing a Christian classical education based school to provide an alternative within our community. So please click on the link. You can go read a much more thorough description than I just gave you. And then we would ask three things of you. We'd ask you to pray for us. We'd ask you to prayerfully consider giving to us. And we would ask you to pass the link along so that others can do the same. All right. Oh, and we do want to say, um, let's see, two weeks out. I'm sorry. I need to look at a calendar. Huh. All right. Let me look at a calendar real quick. Sorry about this. I didn't even think to bring this up. There's my calendar. Um, all right. And I need to change month. Uh, at Vale Valley Baptist Church, we are going to be having, with Easter being on the 9th, uh, we're going to be having a Friday, um, Good Friday service. Um, I believe it is at 6 30. Uh, we would definitely welcome you to come. You can go find it, valevalleybaptistchurch.org. Uh, you can go find our website and it'll have the right times. I think that's the right one, but I don't remember. But then we're going to be having on the 8th, and you can again find this information over on our website. On the 8th, we will be having a, a community Easter egg hunt, um, and I think we're going to have food trucks there as well, but we're going to have a big Easter egg hunt. We've got thousands and thousands of eggs, so uh, and it's a community thing. It's not just a church thing, so um, if you're in the area, definitely please come. We would love to have you out there. All right, well, let's go ahead. We're going to get into our reading this morning, and we'll go ahead and start. With our, like we usually do with our third day morning, since it's Tuesday morning, our third day morning prayer, it's called God, creator, and controller. Let's pray. Most high God, the universe with all its myriad creatures is thine, made by thy word, upheld by thy power, governed by thy will. But thou art also the father of mercies, the God of all grace, the bestower of all comfort, the protector of the saved. Thou hast been mindful of us, hast visited us, preserved us, given us a godly, uh, sorry, a goodly heritage, the holy scriptures, the joyful gospel, the savior of souls. We come to thee in Jesus' name, make mention of his righteousness only, plead his obedience and sufferings, who magnified the law both in its precepts and penalty, and made it honorable. May we be justified by his blood, saved by his life, joined to his spirit. Let us take up his cross and follow him. May the agency of Thy grace prepare us for Thy dispensations. Make us willing that Thou shouldst choose our inheritance and determine what we shall retain or lose, suffer or enjoy. If blessed with prosperity, may we be free from its snares and use, not abuse, its advantages. May we patiently and cheerfully submit to those afflictions which are necessary. When we are tempted to wander, hedge up our way. Excite in us abhorrence of sin. Wean us from the present evil world. Assure us that we shall at last enter Emmanuel's land, where none is ever sick, and the sun will always shine. Amen. All right. And now our morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for March 28th. The text is from Ephesians 3.19. The love of Christ, which passeth which passeth knowledge. The love of Christ in its sweetness, its fullness, its greatness, greatness its faithfulness, passeth all human comprehension. Where shall language be found which shall describe his matchless, his unparalleled love towards the children of men? It is so vast and boundless, that as the swallow, but skimmeth the water, and diveth not into its depths, so all descriptive words but touch the surface, while depths immeasurable lie beneath. Well might the poet say, O love, thou fathomless abyss! For this love of Christ is indeed measureless and fathomless. None can attain unto it. Before we can have any right idea of the love of Jesus, we must understand his previous glory in its height of majesty, and his incarnation upon the earth and all its depths of shame. But who can tell us the majesty of Christ? When he was enthroned in the highest heavens, he was very God of very God. By him were the heavens made, and all the hosts thereof. His own almighty arm upheld the spheres. The praises of cherubim and seraphim perpetually surrounded him. The full chorus of the hallelujahs of the universe unceasingly flowed to the foot of his throne. He reigned supreme above all his creatures. God over all. Blessed forever. Who can tell his height of glory? I am sorry. Who can tell his height of glory, then? And who, on the other hand, can tell how, long he, how low he descended? To be a man was something. To be a man of sorrows was far more. To bleed and die and suffer, these were much for him, who was the Son of God. But to suffer such unparalleled agony, to endure a death of shame and desertion by his father, this is a depth of condescending love, which the most inspired mind must utterly fail to fathom. Herein is love, and truly it is love that passeth knowledge. Oh let this love fill our hearts with adoring gratitude and lead us to practical manifestations of its power. All right. Wow, I must have messed up these links. I sure did. Sorry. Um was going to start our reading and I messed up the links. That worked. I will need to fix them in the show notes. All right. So we're going to be starting our reading here. And we're going to be reading Deuteronomy 9 and 10. uh, Some verses from Luke 8. um, The last verses in Psalm 69, I believe. And Proverbs 12, verses 2 and 3. So, Deuteronomy 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear, O Israel, you are crossing over the Jordan today to go into dispossessed nations greater and mightier than you. Great cities fortified to heaven, a great people—I'm sorry, a people great and tall, the sons of the Anakim, whom you know and of whom you have heard it said, "Who can stand before the sons of Anak?" So you shall know today that it is Yahweh your God who is crossing over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and he will subdue them before you, so that you may dispossess them and make a, make them perish quickly, just as Yahweh has spoken to you. Do not say in your heart, when Yahweh your God has driven them out before you, saying, Because of my righteousness Yahweh has brought me in to possess this land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that Yahweh is dispossessing them before you. It is not for your righteousness or for the uprightness of your heart that you are going to possess their land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that Yahweh your God is dispossessing them before you, in order to confirm the oath which Yahweh swore to your fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So you shall know it is not because of your righteousness that Yahweh your God is giving you this good land to possess. For you are a stiff-necked people. Remember, do not forget how you provoked Yahweh your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that you went out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place. You have been rebellious against Yahweh. Even at Horeb you provoked Yahweh to wrath, and Yahweh was so angry with you that he would have destroyed you when I went up to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant which Yahweh had cut with you. Then I remained on the mountain forty days and nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water. And Yahweh gave me the two tablets of stone written by the finger of God. And on them and on them were all the words which Yahweh had spoken with you at the mountain from the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. Now it happened at the end of forty days and nights that Yahweh gave me the two tablets of stone the tablets of the covenant. Then Yahweh said to me, Arise, go down from here quickly, for your people whom you brought out of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made a molten image for themselves. Yahweh spoke further to me, saying, I have seen this people, and indeed they are a stiff-necked people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of you a nation mightier and more numerous than they. So I turned and came down from the mountain, while the mountain was burning with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were in my two hands. And I saw that you had indeed sinned against Yahweh your God. You had made for yourselves a molten calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way which Yahweh had commanded you. And I took hold of the two tablets and threw them from my hands and shattered them before your eyes. And I fell down before Yahweh as at the first forty days and nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sin, which you had committed in doing what was evil in the sight in the sight of Yahweh to provo- provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and the wrath with which Yahweh was provoked against you in order to destroy you. But Yahweh listened to me that time also, and Yahweh was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him. So I also prayed for Aaron at the same time. Now I took your sinful thing, the calf which you had made, and burned it with fire, and crushed it, grinding it very small, until it was as fine as dust, and I threw its dust into the brooks that came down from the mountain. Again at Tabera, and at Massa and at Kibroth you provoked Yahweh to wrath. When Yahweh sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, then you rebelled against the command of Yahweh your God. You did not believe him, and you did not listen to his voice." You have been rebellious against Yahweh from the day I knew you. So I fell down before Yahweh the forty days and forty nights, which I did because Yahweh had said he would destroy you. And I prayed to Yahweh and said, O Lord Yahweh, do not destroy your people, even your inheritance, whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of Egypt with a strong hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not look at the stiff neck of this people, or at their wickedness or their sin. Lest the land from which you brought us say, Because Yahweh was not able to bring them into the land which he had promised them, and because he hated them, he has brought them out to put them to death in the wilderness. Yet they are your people, even your inheritance, whom you, ha- whom you have brought out by your great power and your outstretched arm. Deuteronomy 10 At that time Yahweh said to me, Carve out for yourself two tablets of stone like the former ones, and come up to me on the mountain, and make make an ark of wood for yourself, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the former tablets which you shattered, and you shall put them in the ark. So I made an ark of acacia wood, and carved out two tablets of stone like the former ones, and went up on the mountain with the two tablets in my hand. AND HE WROTE ON THE TABLETS LIKE THE FORMER, WRITING THE TEN COMMANDMENTS WHICH YAHWEH HAD SPOKEN TO YOU ON THE MOUNTAIN FROM THE MIDST OF THE FIRE ON THE DAY OF THE ASSEMBLY, AND YAHWEH GAVE THEM TO ME. THEN I TURNED AND CAME DOWN FROM THE MOUNTAIN, AND PUT THE TABLETS IN THE ARK WHICH I HAD MADE, AND THERE THEY ARE, AS YAHWEH COMMANDED ME. NOW THE SONS OF ISRAEL SET OUT FROM Biroth BENEJAKAN TO MOSERA. THERE AARON DIED, AND THERE HE WAS BURIED, AND Eleazar HIS SON MINISTERED AS PRIEST IN HIS PLACE. From there they set out to Gugoda, and from Gugoda to Jotbatha, a land of bricks of water. At that time Yahweh set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, to stand before Yahweh, to minister for him, and to bless in his name to this day. Therefore Levi does not have a portion or inheritance with his brothers. Yahweh is his inheritance, just as Yahweh your God spoke to him. I moreover stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights, like the first time, and Yahweh listened to me that time also. Yahweh was not willing to destroy you. Then Yahweh said to me, Arise, go on your journey ahead of the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. So now Israel, what does Yahweh your God ask from you, but to fear Yahweh your God, to walk in all his ways, and love him, and to serve Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul? and to keep the commandments of Yahweh and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to Yahweh your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Yet on your fathers did Yahweh set his affection to love them, and he chose their seed after them. Even you above all peoples, as it is this day, so circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. For yahweh your god is the god of gods and the lord of lords the great the mighty and the fearsome god who does not show partiality nor take a bribe he executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows love for the sojourner by giving him food and clothing so show love for the sojourner for you were sojourners in the land of egypt yahweh your god you shall fear him you shall serve and to him you shall cling and by his name you shall swear He is your praise, and He is your God, who has done these great and fearsome things for you which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, seventy persons in all, and now Yahweh your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. All right, now Luke 8, verses 4 through 21. Now, when a large crowd was coming together, and those from the various cities were journeying to Him, He spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. And other seeds fell on rock, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. Another seed fell among the thorns, and when the thorns grew up with it, they choked it out. And other seed fell into the good soil, and growing up it produced a crop one hundred times as great. And he said these thing, as he said these things he would call out he who has ears to hear let him hear and his disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant and he said to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of god but to the rest it is in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand now the parable is this the seed is the word of god and those beside the road are those who have heard Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so that they will will not believe and be saved. And those on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. And the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of life, and do not bear ripe fruit. But the seed in the good soil... These are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Now no one <coughs> now, no one, after lighting a lamp covers it with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light, for nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So beware how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he he has, shall be taken away from him. And his mother and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. All right, Psalm 69, and I need some water. Much better. All right. Psalm 69. uh, We're doing verses 19 through the end of the chapter. Verse 36. Okay. You know my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. All my adversaries are before you. Reproach has broken my heart, and I am so sick. And I hoped for sympathy, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. May their table before them become a snare, and when they are in peace, may it become a trap. May their eyes darken so that they cannot see, and make their loins quake continually. Pour out your indignation on them, and may, you, may your burning anger overtake them. May their camp be desolate, may none dwell in their tents, for they have persecuted him whom you yourself have struck down, and they recount the pain of those whom you have wounded. ADD INIQUITY TO THEIR INIQUITY, AND MAY THEY NOT COME INTO YOUR RIGHTEOUSNESS. (laughs) MAY THEY BE BLOTTED OUT OF THE BOOK OF LIFE, AND MAY THEY NOT BE RECORDED WITH THE RIGHTEOUS. BUT I AM AFFLICTED AND IN PAIN. MAY YOUR SALVATION, O GOD, SET ME SECURELY ON HIGH. I WILL PRAISE THE NAME OF GOD WITH SONG, AND MAGNIFY HIM WITH THANKSGIVING. AND THIS WILL PLEASE YAHWEH BETTER THAN AN OX, OR A YOUNG BULL WITH HORNS AND HOOVES. THE HUMBLE SEE IT AND ARE GLAD. You who seek God let your heart revive for Yahweh hears the needy and does not despise and does not despise his who are prisoners let heaven and earth praise him the seas and everything that moves in them for God will save Zion and build the cities of Judah that they may dwell there and possess it the seed of his slaves will inherit it and those who love his name will dwell in it all right and proverbs 12 verses 2 and 3 A good man will obtain favor from Yahweh, but a man of evil schemes he will condemn. A man will not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will not be shaken. An excellent wife... I'm sorry, I was about to go on. All right, well, that is our reading for this morning. Uh, Again, as I always say, I hope this time together, reading in the scripture, has been beneficial to you. Um, I know it has been for me. I hope it continues to edify you. I pray that it would continue to edify you. I hope you have a wonderful day. Um, I would continue to implore you to do all that you do today for the glory of God. And I hope to see you this evening. Um, God willing. All right, let's go ahead and close in prayer. The prayer we're going to close in today from Valley of Vision is called worship. Um, all right, let's pray. Glorious God. It is the flame of my life to worship thee, the crown and glory of my soul to adore thee, heavenly pleasure to approach thee. Give me power by thy spirit to help me worship now, that I may forget the world, be brought into fullness of life, be refreshed, comforted, blessed. Give me knowledge of thy goodness, that I might not be overawed by by thy greatness. Give me Jesus, Son of man, Son of God, that I might not be terrified, but be drawn near with filial love. With holy boldness. He is my mediator, brother, interpreter, branch, daysman, lamb. Him I glorify, in Him I am set on high. Crowns to give I have none, but what Thou hast given I return, content to feel that everything is mine when it is thine, and the more fully mine when I have yielded it to Thee. Let me live wholly to my Saviour, free from distractions, from carking care, from hindrance to the pursuit of the narrow way. I am pardoned through the blood of Jesus. Give me a new sense of it. Continue to pardon me by it. May I count every day to the fountain and every day be washed a- I'm sorry, may I come every day to the fountain and every day be washed anew that I may worship thee always in spirit and truth. Amen. All right again. I hope you have a good day and I hope to see you for the evening segment. Have a good one. God bless. <music> Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Tuesday, uh, March 28th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Definitely worth your while to go check that stuff out. All right, well, we're going to get in, we're going to continue on in our Bible study this evening in John chapter 7, Gospel of John chapter 7, but let's go ahead and open up with prayer. Uh, The prayer we're going to use from Valley Vision is called A Present Salvation. Let's pray. Creator and Redeemer God, author of all existence, source of all blessedness, I adore thee for making me capable of knowing thee, for giving me reason and conscience, for leading me to desire thee. I praise thee for the revelation of thyself in the gospel, for thy heart as a dwelling place of pity, for thy thoughts of peace towards me, for thy patience and thy graciousness, for the vastness of thy mercy. Thou hast moved my conscience to know how the guilty can be pardoned, the unholy sanctified, the poor enriched. May I be always amongst those who not only hear but know thee, who walk with and rejoice in thee, who take thee at thy word and find life there. Keep me always longing for a present salvation in Holy Spirit, in Holy Spirit comforts and rejoicings, for spiritual graces and blessings, for help to value my duties as well as my privilege, privileges. May I cherish simplicity and godly sincerity of character? Help me to be in real in reality before Thee as in appearance I am before men. To be religious before I profess religion, to leave the world before I enter the church to set my affections on things above, to shun forbidden follies and vanities, to be a dispenser as well as a partaker of grace, to be prepared to bear evil as well as to do good. O God, make me worthy of this calling, that the name of Jesus may be glorified in me and I in him. Amen. All right, now our evening devotion for March 28th from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. Uh, Let's see the text for it is from Ezekiel 20, verse 41. I will accept you with your sweet savor. The merits of our great Redeemer are as as sweet savor to the Most High. Whether we speak of the active or passive righteousness of Christ, there is an equal fragrance. There was a sweet savor in his active life by which he honored the law of God and made every precept to glitter like like a precious jewel in the pure setting of his own person. Such, too, was his passive obedience when he endured with unmurmuring submission, hunger and thirst, cold and nakedness, and at length sweat great drops of blood in Gethsemane, gave his back to the smiters and his cheeks to them that plucked out the hair, and was fastened to the cruel wood, that he might suffer the wrath of God in our behalf. These two things are sweet before the Most High, and for the sake of his doing and his dying, his substitutionary sufferings and his vicarious obedience, the Lord our God accepts us. What a preciousness must there be in him to overcome our want of preciousness! What a sweet savor to put away our ill savor! What a cleansing power in his blood to take away sins such as ours! And what glory in his righteousness to make such unacceptable creatures to be accepted in the Beloved! Mark, believer, how sure and unchanging must be our acceptance since it is in him! Take care that you never doubt your acceptance in Jesus! you cannot be accepted without Christ. But when you have received his merit, you cannot be unaccepted. Notwithstanding all your doubts and fears and sins, Jehovah's gracious eye never looks upon you in anger. Though he sees sin in you, in yourself, yet when he looks at you through Christ, he sees no sin. You are always accepted in Christ, as you see the smoking in... I'm sorry. You are always accepted in Christ, are always blessed and dear to the Father's heart. Therefore, lift up a song, and as you see the smoking incense of the merit of the Savior coming up this evening before the sapphire throne, let the incense of your praise go up also. All right. Well, now our Bible study. So we have in a, John chapter 7, and we've worked through the first five verses, but I'm going to go ahead and read uh, John chapter 7 from first 1 to verse 9. And after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee. For he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, was near. Therefore his brothers said to him, Leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself publicly to the world. For not even his brothers were believing in him. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I bear witness about it that its its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I am not yet going up to this feast, because my time has not yet been fulfilled. Having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. So we spoke last evening. We spoke last evening about um, the um, remaining... And the request, the remaining being verse one, verse one, him remaining in Galilee for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Again, it's not yet his time. And we see Jesus, like I mentioned last evening, we see Jesus throughout the gospels talk about it not being yet time. We saw it even in John chapter two, when his mother asked him to to handle the wine problem at the wedding, that he was like, woman, it's not yet my time. He's not doing this, and, and and when he means his time, he means the time of God's plan. He's trying to, fo- he's he's not trying. He's following the timetable that God has laid down, that divine timetable that we're talking about here. So again, this is the section about following the divine ta- timetable, and this one is the wrong time again. So we again, we dealt with the remaining. He's staying in Judea because it's not yet time. For him to face his crucifixion, the fact is, now the feast of the of the Jews, the feast of Booths, was near. Verse two, so it's the feast of Booths coming up. His time is not till the Passover, that's six months away, so it's not yet time for him to get in a confrontation. So he's not he's not willing to go up yet. It's not yet that time, but of course, as a brothers, we see the request. His brothers say to him, leave here and go into Judea so that your disciples also may see your works, which you are doing for no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself publicly to the world. So here are his brothers trying to jumpstart his ministry. I mean, his ministry is already going, but they're trying to push. They're trying to, you know, Hey, you know, if you, if you want all this fame, if you want to get bigger, you need to go, go to the center of, of, of the life in Palestine. You need to go there not out here in the hinterlands, you know, and out here in the backwoods of Galilee. You need you need to get into the the population heart of our country, of our kingdom. Well, again, they're like I said, they they're not grasping what Jesus is doing. They're not understanding the purpose, and of course they don't know the timetable. They don't grasp the timetable. Jesus is not working on a man-centered timetable. You know, the things they're saying are not necessarily false that if he were to do that his ministry might grow but that's not the point Jesus point is to bring the gospel to bring the good news and to bring it in God's good time so that was the request so then so you know we saw verse 5 for not even his brothers were believing in him again like I said of the of four, I think the four brothers he has at that point, they weren't believing. Of course, we go on to see James and Jude, Judas, Jude, um, of his brothers, come to believe. We see that. We've got, we've got two different epistles of their name. Um. So we see that, but it's not yet that time. They don't even believe him yet. Um, and this isn't the first time they've shown a lack of belief. They've thought he was crazy at one point in the Gospels. You see that that they're they're but they're like, you know, if if you're looking for this fame, if you're looking to gather these big crowds of followers, let's go ahead. You know, go ahead up there with us. Well, here's Jesus's response, verse 6. So Jesus said to them, "My time is not yet here, but your time is always here." Okay, what's he saying there? Well, his time is not yet here. It's not yet time again. It's six months to the Passover, and the Passover is when all of that is supposed to take place—the crucifix, the, the, you know, his trials, the crucifixion, the resurrection. And there's a reason it's at the Passover. I mean, if if you've never had anybody tell you that, there's a reason it's at the Passover. Do you do you remember the story of the Passover? That at the Passover, a lamb was sacrificed, or maybe a lamb shared between two households but then the blood of the lamb was put on the doorposts and on the lintels over the doors so that when the the spirit came that angel of death came it would pass over those houses and so that blood the blood of the lamb would deliver them from that angel of death which would then go on and take out the take out um the egyptians would take out and in this case kill the firstborn of of each Egyptian family, including the animals and the people and all of that. So the blood of the lamb bought their, bought their freedom. The blood of the lamb paid that price so that they were not visited by that angel of death. Well, that is why all this is going to happen at Passover because Jesus is the perfect lamb um, you know, We saw John um, the Baptist and John, and Cat, John the Baptist in the um, Gospel of John chapter 1. Make clear, the, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He washes us clean with that blood, the blood he's going to shed at Passover. He is going to be that Passover lamb, that final Passover lamb, the only perfect Passover lamb that truly pays the final price, the final sin price of the Mosaic Covenant to put pain to it. That's, that's, that's what the time frame is. Jesus knows this. Jesus knows it's not yet time to go up there and he makes clear, but, but you know, he goes on to say, but your time is always here. Of course their time is always there. These brothers aren't sitting there confronting back and forth. He goes on and, and clarifies that in verse seven. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I bear witness about it that its deeds are evil. Again, his brothers aren't running around calling out the Pharisees and the Sadducees, testifying in front of them, telling them that he came down from heaven, which they consider blasphemy because they don't believe no matter what the signs, no matter what the, what the um, um, prophecies that he's fulfilled. They are unwilling. They've hardened their, their hearts. They are unwilling to accept that he is the Christ, the son of God. They're not willing to accept that. So they hate him. They hate him because he calls them out. He shows them the fool. He shows them to not be true believers in God, not be true worshipers of God. And so they hate him and they hate him because he bears witness about him that, that their, their deeds are evil that the deeds of the world are evil. That's why the world hates him. But it doesn't hate them because they're not doing that. They're just cruising along, behaving just, you know, acting just within community, acting just like that. And he goes on and he says, go up to the feast yourselves. I am not yet going up to this feast because my time has not yet been fulfilled. My time has not yet been fulfilled. Again, it's not that time yet. So here's the things with the commentators I've run across. They seem to indicate, and I, I would have to agree with them. We've already seen once that at the feeding of the 5,000, they were ready to grab him and make him king. Well, what do you think the confrontation would be like? Did he go up to this Feast of Booths with his brothers? If he goes up with his brothers, and of course you think, oh, well, going up with his brothers, what's the big deal? No, no, no. This would be a relatively large per. Progression, or a large group of people going up there, how much more likely that they're going to try to do that again, proclaim him King and put him in conflict with them and bring about his death outside of the timetable of God. So it's not yet time for that. Okay. On top of that, he goes up there then. And again, big group of people How much more likely are they to to have the triumphal entry that we see on Palm Sunday, which is not supposed to happen until then, until the lead in to the Passover celebration. It's not supposed to happen until then. So, but how much more likely are they to do that if he comes in with this big group of people, this big mass? And of course, people will turn around and they'll look at this and they go, well, wait a minute, because verse 10, and we'll deal with that you know, tomorrow evening, God willing, it goes into, but when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as in secret. And people will go, well, then he lied to his brothers. No, he did not. He said, I am not yet going up to his feast. And the Greek there, the word used, it makes clear. I am not yet. He's not saying I'm not going at all. I'm not going up there with you. I'm not going up in this great mass of people, and I'm not going up right at the beginning because I'm not going to engender anything that 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 goes outside of the timetable of God. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's telling them to go ahead and go up, but he's not yet going up to the feast because his time has not yet been fulfilled. Again, He's proclaimed repeatedly, and we've seen it repeatedly through the gospel of John here, leading up to John 7 here, where he's been very, very clear that he doesn't do what he chooses to do. He is only doing God's will. He is only doing the Father's will. That is his only purpose for being there. It's not to satisfy anything for himself. It's not to do anything that he's decided on himself. It's to do the Father's will And so he's following the Father's timetable, the divine timetable. And it's not yet time. It's not yet Passover. There's six more months. And the thing is, we're going to see. He's going to head up into Judea. He's going to go up for the Feast of Booths. And then he's going to preach around Judea for the next six months before Passover comes. But it's not time yet. It's not time yet for the confrontation. It's not time yet for the triumphal entry. It's honestly never time for them to try to make him their temporal king. That's not what he's there for. He's the king of the kingdom of God, which is totally different. And these these Israelites have shown clearly that most of them don't grasp that. All they're focused on is the nice, bright, shiny, the neat, the neat golly gee whiz, Miracles And hey, where can we get a free meal? As I've talked about before. And Jesus is being clear. It's not yet time. He's basically telling them, listen, I'm not about what you think I'm about. So it makes no sense for me to go up to Judea with you like this. Because that's not why I'm here. And he makes clear, you can go whenever you want to. But the world hates me. And the response that's going to happen if I go up here at the wrong time, in the wrong group, in the wrong way, is going to violate this divine timetable. And I can't do that. That's not why I'm here. So verse 9, having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. And like, like I said, that doesn't mean he's staying for good, nor does that mean he's being false to his brothers. He's been clear. I'm not yet going, meaning I'm not yet going with you. Not that he's not going to the Feast of Booths at all. He is, and he's going to do his ministry. But it's not time yet. He's, do, he's making the choices he's making, just like he said with his mother. Yes, he went ahead and then, you know, changed the water to wine. But it was very, very clear with his mother, he was very clear with his mother that He's not following man's timetable. He's not following his mother's timetable. He's not following his brother's timetable. He's not following the timetable of of the next great party planner or the next great political activist or the next great. It's none of that. He's following God's timetable. And it's his time is not yet here. It'll be there in six months. Which is what well, we have our Easter celebration, which is not but two weeks away in our world right now. But it's not time yet. I am not yet going up to this feast because my time has not yet been fulfilled. That is what Jesus is doing at this point. But he's getting ready to head up to the Feast of Booths to teach in Jerusalem. And God willing, we'll see that tomorrow. Let's go ahead and close out with our third day evening prayer. It's called Before Sleep. Let's pray. God of all sovereignty, thy greatness is unsearchable. Thy name most excellent. Thy glory above the heavens. Ten thousand minister to thee. Ten thousand times ten thousand stand before thee. In thy awful presence we are less than nothing. We do not approach thee because we deserve thy notice. For we are sinners. Our necessities compel us. Thy promises encourage us. Our broken hearts incite us. The mediator draws us. Thy acceptance of others moves us. Look thou upon us and be merciful unto us. Convince us of the penalty and pollution of sin. Give us faith to believe and believing to have life in Jesus. May we enter into his sufferings. Let us see thy hand in the instruments of our grief, rejoicing that they are from thy overruling providence. Let not our weeping hinder sowing nor sorrow duty. While living in a world of change, let us seek the abiding city. Be with us to our journey's end, that we may glorify thee in death as in life. We bless thee for preservation, supplies, mercies, and to to thee, Keeper of souls, we commit all we are and have. May no evil befall us, no sickness come nigh us, no horror disturb us. May our conscience be clear, our hearts pure, our sleep sweet. And with the innumerable company who neither slumber nor rest, we join in ascribing blessing, honor, glory, and power to the Lamb upon the throne forever and ever. Amen. All right. Well, I hope you have a wonderful evening. I hope to see you in the morning. Have a good night. God bless.